Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And this week's sermon is a second installation of our four-part series on how we are breaking through our spiritual bubbles. And so in the last episode, which was about identifying and acknowledging that we were in spiritual bubbles and how God is intervening on our behalf, um, we're following that up with a conversation of how we can begin to tear through those bubbles and what God is doing to remind us that mission is at hand and the advancement of the kingdom is on the heart of God. And so I found this podcast to be really insightful, practical, and reflective of how God is working in our lives, what we can do and what God is doing um, so that others can also be reached by the gospel and how we can share our lives um, for Christ. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, so uh, I remember a story before we begin today of in high school, I went into my friend's house at Scarsdale, New York. Scarsdale is one town over, Ardsley is where Mark Zuckerberg grew up. And Scarsdale is so wealthy in one of the richest neighborhoods in the United States, Hillary and Bill Clinton couldn't afford to live there, so they moved one town over. So I remember visiting my friend's house for the first time from church. And as I walked in and I was about to sit on a sofa that was covered in plastic, and my friend came, I said, no, no, you can't sit there. My, my mom doesn't let anyone sit there. She left the plastic on because it's really expensive. And, you know, from a really incredible place, I don't understand it, but you can't, no one could sit there. It was just this pristine, beautiful sofa with plastic covers just for show. And, I, and, and it really, that really puzzled me. But in many ways, that's a good picture. Our faith can become plastic and insular as well. Just like never removing the plastic bubble wrap of a custom-made sofa to preserve its aesthetic beauty and quality. The value of our faith can be simply reduced to an esoteric abstraction beautiful in our mind, but have no real practical value if it's not lived in the real world. And many times, as we talked about it last week, that's the bubble we find ourselves in, many times in the urban church. And sharing Jesus to a hurting and broken world can often sound plastic and cliche when we live in the delusion of that spiritual bubble. Because the truth is, the bubble we end up living in becomes too safe 
too comfortable. And like I said last week, that is precisely the problem and precisely what Acts chapter 10 is all about. The Holy Spirit breaks open multiple spiritual bubbles, especially the kosher bubble of the early apostles. And we find that story, we find ourselves in, in Peter's story, popping that kosher bubble. So today, um, that's what we want to do. We want to answer the question, what will it take to tear open our spiritual bubble? Oh, hey guys. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 17 through 29. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? This is the word of the Lord. Bye, guys. Okay, so the question we ask, what, what will it take to break open this spiritual bubble? Well, first, a face. We have to move from an abstraction to something you can get your arms around. Many times, we're not compelled outside of the bubble because we don't care for it and can't see it. It's just what? An idea. Broken people or a broken world is just an idea in our comfortable insularity. So the question is, how does the Holy Spirit pop Peter's kosher bubble? Well, by sending him someone unkosher. <laughs> For some of us, it might be, if you're a Democrat, God might send a Republican. For someone wealthy, God might send someone that's less fortunate. For someone that's well-educated, it might be someone less educated. The polarity is critical. God sends, if you look at here, verse 17, Acts 10, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the man sent by Cornelius found out there Simon's house, 
was stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. I have sent them. How does the Holy Spirit pop the kosher bubble? He sends non-kosher people in front of his doorstep. Sometimes in our insularity, we cannot even understand that the mission and the work of the Spirit is actually in front of us. There are people in front of us in our lives right now that God has assigned to pop our kosher bubble, our urban bubble. But we can't see it because of our insularity. Our insularity goes so deep, we're oblivious to it. My own bubble, my urban bubble, exploded in my own life. I've never met anyone growing up without a father. And on vacation, I was reading a book by Don Miller about fatherlessness, A Million Mouths in a Thousand Years. It's a great book by Donald Miller. I would highly recommend anyone read it. It's about rewriting your story, God's story in your life, looking at the horizon and believing in faith that he is taking you somewhere. There's a destiny for you. And I remember reading about Don's story of fatherlessness and how that had that's been traumatic in his life and how mentors entered his life, father figures that, that represented Abba well and it changed everything for them. And I, and I was on the beach in Cancun. I've never really, I thought, never met anyone without a father before. It never really crossed my mind because that's the bubble I'm living in my life, the urban bubble. And the Holy Spirit brought to mind, he said, Sam, there's so many that are fatherless in 180 that you don't even know. And that's when I started talking to others and found out there's so many who are fatherless, maybe absentee fathers emotionally, fathers who left when kids by divorce or just left and went and started a whole new family. And that's when I realized my bubble. And so how does God pop my, my, my bubble in my life, the kosher bubble like here in this text? He sent them right in our church. And it popped my bubble. And I entered in relationships. And it was so rewarding to not live in the comfort of my own delusion. But enter the brokenness of people's lives and be the father, represent the father to who he was calling me to. And it was one of the most rewarding experiences. We started the Father's Project, Immigration Reform, and many of those things that represents the Abba, the heart of God to the world. Let me ask you a question today. Just for a moment, pay attention what the Holy Spirit might be bringing up or who he might be sending to you. Remember, a face. If brokenness of the world and, and people's lives is an abstraction, just an idea of poverty, just an idea of a broken family, just an idea. It's not personal. That's why God sends people a face. We need to be able to see a person. If mission isn't compelling, that's because it's not personal. Will you pray today and ask the Holy Spirit 
to open your eyes to the people he has sent in your life, to enter their brokenness, to stretch you. It's not because they're less fortunate. You might be less fortunate in your own bubble, missing out on the work God is doing outside of that bubble, which we'll talk more about later in the next coming weeks. But will you pray that the Holy Spirit would show you? Because I'm, I'm telling you, he has already sent people. There are people in front of you you are missing. For Spirit of God, show me the faces, the places that I need to be, I need to know that this, these are things that you are doing in my life. Because in the comfort of our bubble, we'll never move out of it. But God is always calling us to mission because this is enemy-occupied ter territory, as C.S. Lewis says. But the rightful king has landed in disguise, leading a campaign of great sabotage, calling us to join him in the secret wireless. So pray that the Spirit reveal to you today. In the beginning, we asked the question, what will it take? This whole series about breaking out of our spiritual bubble. Well, the second lesson we learned, excavated from this text, not just a face, but a name. Intimacy, the density, that mountainous density that drives us further and further apart. We're on a drift by drift basis in the world. It's closed by intimacy. That's right, the name. When does Peter actually understand, really understand why God showed him the vision of the four-legged animals, unkosher animals, to kill and eat? When he hears the name. Verse 22, from the, those men, three men that came, were from Cornelius the centurion, a Roman soldier, a Gentile, someone completely outside of his bubble, in pursuit of the heart of God, but didn't know how to get to know Him. There are so many people today that are seeking Him, but have no idea. And you are the one assigned to tell them the gospel because the angel can't tell people the gospel. We are the jars of clay, carrying the treasure in, in jars of clay. We are the fragrance of Christ, the living witnesses, the living stones called that's what happens. He hears the name. A holy angel told him, ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. I'm telling you right now, there are people you are assigned to tell the gospel to. You're like, well, the pastor will do it. These leaders will do it. Well, so many leaders have fallen. We might not have any leaders left. Then what? The church is going to close worldwide? No, we need to disciple the church the body of Christ, the priesthood of all believers, to be the jars of clay. And Peter invited them, what, to his house. We need to invite pe the people that God has sent into our lives. A name. Do you have a name that God has put in your heart? If you don't, or if you do, I pray the Holy Spirit give you that name again, remind you of it, or give you a new name. Because, this, because what is faith? 
that's just esoteric abstraction, this beautiful idea, if it's not really contributing value and adding light in a world that's full of darkness and fear. God is calling you today to do that. So will you do that right now? Today, I want to invite you in silence and meditation where you might be to lift your hand. And I want to pray a prayer from Robert Mulholland to probe us, to teach us and mold us. Gracious and loving God, I stand in awe of your infinite patience, your desire, my perfect wholeness. You are deeply desirous to make me perfectly whole, even to the extent of entering into my brokenness and taking its death into your own being on the cross. And yet, you never violate my independence. You never trample upon my free will. You never usurp the integrity of my being. You wait in infinite patience for me to open up my life to your cleansing, healing, liberating, and transforming grace. You wait for me to willingly cooperate with your purposes for my wholeness. Help me, oh my God, to offer to you the deeper yieldness of my being that will enable my spiritual disciplines to become avenues of your grace in me. Would you lift your hands and sing and invite the Holy Spirit to do his work? Amen. Okay. Um, so last week, we kicked off the series of bursting our spiritual bubbles with how God is directly and divinely intervening on our behalf so that we can recognize and acknowledge that there are certain bubbles that we reside in and these bubbles that provide comfort and um, ultimately keeps us in a pocket of insularity prevents us from really being able to do mission. And so with this second installation of the series, we are really getting into the meat and potatoes of how God is calling us to and asking us to engage in mission and how how the names and faces of the people that God introduces in our lives has placed around us really helps us to begin tear our bubbles. And so we, if this is your first time joining us uh, this week, we highly recommend and encourage you to check out last week's podcast where we discuss how God is uh, intervening on our behalf so that we can recognize the spiritual bubbles in our lives um, before going on with this podcast. But if you're joining us again, um, here we are to talk about how God is tearing our spiritual bubbles. And one of the things um, to get right into it that I felt like was, I guess, stark and very apparent through this message was that God places very specific people around us and calls us to people, places, and, you know, the types of people that can challenge our worldviews and help tear our bubbles so that we can see the ways in which God is doing mission. Um, and the thing that really crossed my mind is the question of how we can really contend with the fact that maybe our faith is just for show or for display, like Dr. Sammy was describing with the plastic bound couch, which I thought was pretty funny, or if we're really living out faith and mission. Um, and so thank you for joining us today, Pastor Lydia. Uh, the first thing that I kind of wanted to ask you was, you know, I think the thing that stuck with me with the sermon was like how we have a responsibility as believers to really make our faith personal. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I wanted to ask you, you know, in regards to that is 
as believers that are starting to acknowledge that maybe we are residing in the comfort of our bubbles and in those places where God is really urging and helping us to burst these bubbles in our lives, like what does it mean to make our faith personal? And where do we begin to ask God to help us see the contrast of our faith, whether it is for display or whether it is something that is contributing and adding value to the kingdom of God in that way? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think when we think of faith as, actually, I'm going to say if if faith is just personal, it's abstract mm. because our faith is supposed to be um, shared with others, right? And if we're not on that direction of what our faith, the person of Christ and his mission, his sacrifice, his his um, everything about him, if it doesn't represent that, we're not actually disciples of Christ. And I guess a good example of that, you know, some uh, uh, to kind of just, you know, I just kind of just thought of this when I was thinking through the message. Um, I like to cook. I like to, you know, prepare meals for people, but I'm not much of a baker. So I always thought, I don't know if you know what this is, but a stand mixer is basically this fancy Cuisinart, very vintage looking, um, this tool that often sits very pretty, but it's a great tool, but it's kind of costly. It's a little expensive, right? So for years, because I told myself, I don't really bake. Um, I'm not going to invest into that thing. But once I was talking to someone who's really generous with, um, how she cooks and whatever she cooks, she shares with people, you know, she bakes, sends so many care packages to people going through hard times, even through this pandemic, you know, a sister in Christ in her community. And I was kind of talking with her and say, I don't know. I always come back to this tool, but I don't know if I want to get it or not. And she said to me, well, food is not meant to be cooked for one person. It's actually meant to be shared. And because I was kind of going through the guilt of having this fancy machine that's going to look great. I mean, of course, I wanted to use it. But she went right to the point and said, well, that stand mixer would help your help your purpose of sharing food with others. And it'll make it easier. Mm -hmm. And honestly, for me, that was it. That's all I needed to be reminded that it doesn't have to I don't have to get stuck on this guilt or selfishness of having this beautiful thing, but I could actually use it to share with others. You know, it gave me a vision for baking. It gave me a vision for cooking. It inspired me. So I purchased it. And since I purchased it, I've been, I I actually became a baker and I actually share it with people now more than I could have before, you know, doing it just like with your (laughs) spoon. I mean, those who bake know what I'm talking about. But I think a lot that couch imagery really reminded me of that because I think a lot of times we look at our faith and, you know, we're proud of it that we came to this point where we know Christ and we know that we're not alone, but that's all beautiful and it's nice. And, and you know, Christ's ways are so far from our ways that we're constantly growing, even just looking at him. But if it's not shared, well, then it's still on the, it's still sitting pretty, you know? It's meant to be shared with others. Mm, right. So, yeah. Well, that's a really great analogy. I think that was really insightful because it's like 
that gets me to start thinking about what the purpose of the gospel really is, right? Because I think maybe something that, you know, comes across as a point of contention for believers is that, you know, in the question of whether our faith is for show or whether our faith is being shared and is active in uh, the gospel mission is like, it's almost like your perspective or your paradigm on this cuisine art uh, baking apparatus was like repurposed. Right. Right. And it's like, when you understand what the purpose of the baking apparatus is in the same way that we can understand what the purpose of the gospel is, it kind of, it kind of does really place things into perspective. Like what is the gospel for and who is it for? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, cause that like, I feel like this kind of addresses some of the things that, you know, might come into conflict with people that are contending with this question about um, how to like take their faith personally and really act on mission is that, you know, like, do, are we remembering what mission really is, right? Because I think one of the things that I was sort of reconciling with myself in reflection with last week's sermon and also thinking about how to put the pieces together with this week's sermon is that, you know, it's like the question is where do we find ourselves right now in the context of Christ as believers to begin to engage in mission mm-hmm. in that way. And I guess like one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, I think for us that maybe, you know, like are repentant and like have thought about and reflected on the bubbles that we currently reside in, like how, you know, like how can we begin to challenge those bubbles and really see mission for what it is that like the gospel is not just for, you know, our own ideas and, you know, building up our own abstraction about it. But, you know, there's a very practical and, you know, I guess active role that God is calling us to play. Right. So I guess how do we even begin to tread on that bubble bursting idea? Yeah, I think, you know, we look at the example of God himself, you know, he, to many, he was, you know, divine, divinity, God, but to many, to, um, he could seem abstract, right? And God understood this, so he sent someone more tangible. So he made, um, he made a salvation plan of sending Christ to earth, right? So that we know for sure that this son of God does represent who God is. So ultimately it helped us get to know the father better. I mean, Hebrew says that God, Jesus is the exact representation of the father. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, we are meant to represent who Christ is, who is no longer here. His spirit dwells in us to do this work, but we are meant to be the light. We're meant to be the representation of who Christ was, how he lived, to draw people to God, to lead people away from the ways of man and to the ways of God, to the kingdom of God, ultimately, right? So I think there has, without a transition of from abstract to personal, to actually caring for people in that way, in that direction, um, through obedience, uh, representing, sharing the gospel, it, it's not possible. 
Mm-hmm. It is not possible. So I think it kind of puts flesh into the abstraction of what it means to be a Christ follower, you know? Mm. So it's it's a matter of belief in action as opposed to just belief in that way, right? Because with us who have Christ, it's our like mission is a tangible thing because we are like sort of the tangible representations of who Christ is. Right. Um, and just like does, you know, stand mixer, if it just sits pretty in the corner, it'll make the kitchen look great, but it will collect dust. <laughs> it will get rusty. You know, it has to be used. And much like anything that's new, like mission it can be intimidating, right? Sharing mm-hmm. with someone what your faith is about, who Jesus is, um, this historicity of Jesus or the, I don't know, the, the resurrection of Jesus, his example, you know, people who have lived for him, who represent him, like sharing these stories or even your own testimony with people who are not familiar with Jesus, but are hungry is, is, it can be intimidating. And, you know, we, we accept that, that it's an uncomfortable bubble popping experience to actually go come out of your comfort zone to do it. But it's, not to make it so simple, but a lot of times following a recipe that you've never tried is the same way. You're, it takes, you know, there's a due diligence that is required. You have to read the recipe, go shopping, buy the ingredients. There, there are things, uh, components that come together so that you could do it well. So there's steps to becoming, you know, missional and becoming better at it. Or having a starting point, as we talked about in, you know, many podcasts back and message back, there has to be a starting point and you get better over time. And God will constantly remind us to break bubbles, you know, as we go, just like he did with Peter. You know, God was constantly breaking his bubble as he grew as a, you know, evangelist, as an apostle. Hmm, right. I, that's a that's a really good point that I think you're making because it, it leads me to the next question that I have, you know, and again, in reference to, you know, acknowledging that we are insular and we do have insular, uh, we, I mean, we do have insular tendencies uh, to reside in the comfort of what we already have as precon- preconceptions or ideas. It, I think like one of the reservations that I felt like I came across was that, you know, it's really hard to think about or like maybe we are intimidated and daunted by the idea of doing mission and engaging with people that are really unlike us right Mm -hmm. um and in that way i know dr sammy was saying that the way in which that god bursted peter's bubble is sort of the same in which the in the ways that god burst our bubbles today is that you know it's by people that rupture our worldviews and you know burst our bubbles to expand our paradigms and you know shift our perspectives on brokenness in general is is the way in which god usually convicts us towards that avenue of mission right Mm -hmm. um and i guess well not i guess my next question my next question i guess is in regards to that i said i guess again but it is in regards to that because I, i think like for me what i wanted to know is like how do we overcome and bypass that sitting in our bubbles so that we can cross the street or cross the aisle to engage with people that are unlike us right because i think 
we like to stay in the comfort of our bubbles because you know stepping out of our comfort zones are is inconvenient it can be annoying it can be even fearful to do those things right and so i guess like this coincides with how we're talking about making our faith personal but i wanted to get your thoughts on like what it can or what it takes to really cross that divide well i'm very relieved um because it's like the first the last week's message god intervenes in our behalf in our density like um you know if you look at the text of acts chapter 10 it says that after the whole vision that god sent peter mm. It says that Peter was still perplexed and trying to be thoughtful about what he just witnessed. And in midst of his, you know, perplexed, confused state, the actions start to, you know, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to him. So the divine intervention, we can't take lightly. I think that it takes God to break our bubbles, you know. Hmm. So God is already at work. And that's what it shows that God is already working in us. So his intervention helps us kind of pricks us to kind of recognize that we're living in a bubble. Hmm. And then this week, what's it going to take to break that bubble? Well, when we recognize that we're already in alignment or in direction of what God wants to do. And I think that's the great thing about being aligned to who, what God is doing. It brings an awareness so that we can understand how he wants to lead us and how he has been leading us. And in the second message, um, Sam talks about how, you know, well, he gives a very applicational question or questions. He says, who are the names or people and faces that God's bringing up that are in your um, opposite polar opposites of who mm. you are or your positionality or your situation or whatever um, those criterias are. And also who are the people that he is reminding you of that you may have forgotten about. So it brings light into the darkness of kind of the density of the bubble that we lived in. And I think from there, we could really just pay attention to how God's been speaking to us, even the things that we may have missed about how God has been wanting to push us and extend our, um, our, you know, our personal faith to make it personal so that it actually is missional to be shared with others. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think it's encouraging and a huge relief to know that God is at work already. And it's just really pushing us to the place to recognize that and to be in partnership with what God is leading us. Mm. So I guess what I'm taking from what you're saying is that this is sort of the initiation process of beginning to align yourself with the mission. If that, if I'm not speaking out of term in regards to that, because I feel like the way in which God pricks our bubbles uh, from our last sermon was how we can begin to recognize that, you know, maybe I'm just residing in, you know, the environment, the comfort and, you know, resting in what I already know. But, you know, like, I think that calls into question whether or not we've forgotten about mission, right? But this is a reminder that mission is present through what God is already doing. And, it's the rallying call to 
think or process or begin to wonder in which direction God is calling us by our specific assignments to mission? Yeah, I think it's impossible to say that our faith is no longer in display, but at work or being lived out apart from mission. Mm. So he's always anchoring us back to his mission because that it's for the mission that Christ has come. And so for those of us that are Christ followers, if the end all of our Christ following walk is about how well we're doing personally um, at, at the end of our lives, at the end of junctures in our lives, and it does not plug back into the overarching theme of God's mission, then I think it's time to assess what is our faith really about? Like, who is it about? Is it really about Christ and God's plan for the planet, like for this mm-hmm. for this world? Or is this about me? And if the answer comes back to is it's about me, then, well, it kind of is the litmus test. Mm. No, because the answer should come out. It is really about Christ's mission. It's about Christ's plans, God's plans. His will be done, not mine, you know? All right. That definitely puts things into perspective. And like the priority of putting God's kingdom first before our own in that way. Um, Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I was also considering with the sermon was that I think when I, when I heard the sermon, you know, it calls into question really if me as a believer, if I'm doing enough for mission Mm. or am I actually engaged in mission? Right. And I know we've talked before about discipleship recently and, you know, in our conversations about mission, we always evaluate um, by the biblical fruit that is produced from doing the kingdom work or engaging with mission in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I guess, you know, thinking about what's going on in the present um, and moving forward, my immediate thought was to think about, okay, who has got placed into my life right now? You know, did I miss anything? Right. Or like, you know, I, I was just kind of scurrying to see if I might've missed any hints or signs that God is leading me in a very specific direction to a person um, or like if I missed anybody that God has placed in my life right now. But, you know, from our previous conversations about discipleship and mission over the years, you know, I, I, I'm starting to suspect and think that, you know, how we can measure that we are on mission is not, it's not just so A to B or so, you know, black and white as in like I'm talking to people about Christ or like I'm not talking to people about Christ, but it's a little bit more nuanced. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, so like for me, when I was thinking about this is, you know, I was reflecting on like all the people so far in my life in the past that God has placed into my life that, you know, ultimately burst my bubble. And I think Dr. Sammy painted a really good picture um, with, you know, his his encounter with fatherlessness, you know. Mm. Um, because for me, I came to this church around the time where I think, you know, the, the fatherlessness aspect was, you know, something that was prevalent in a lot of our lives. And so 
I think it was like such a beautiful thing that he was able to portray for us like how God convicted him of this pressing issue. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I was wondering, you know, like, is it always specific through like people or these experiences that God encounters us with that help us see the father's heart or to recognize that there are pockets of brokenness in our lives that we are just not aware of. Um, And, you know, I I wanted to ask this question because I think one of the things that I recognize with my own personal bubble is that, you know, there are a lot of issues in the world, things that are going on socially, politically, or nationally that maybe I have not been attuning to carefully because I didn't take those things personally. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I wanted to ask you, it's like, in what ways does God really introduce or like, what, what is the synthesis or the, the thing that happens by which God introduces people and their stories into our lives that really helps us see mission or like to see God's heart for mission. Um, I think it goes back to the message. Um, You know, Sam gave very applicational tools or questions. And he said, who, I mean, in Peter's case, the man who worked for Cornelius literally walked to his door and knocked on his door. And I think just a question to us, like who knocked on your door? Like who's in your life that is polar opposite from you? to help you break your bubble. And it's not so much so that brokenness can be recognized, but it's kind of like, I think this part is really important. What if the person that is polar opposite from you has a heart to know God, but you couldn't recognize it because of the differences, therefore your bubble or your own prejudice, you know, or of insularity? So I think it's recognizing that there are people with hearts for God who are hungry to know God and to grow in Christ. And I guess the brokenness part would be realizing that we're blind because of our bubbles. Yeah. You know, in this context. And to know that, and to know that it's ultimately we're not perfect. But we are broken, you know, we're we're humble uh, jars of clay, you know, but God chose us to share the message because the angel literally referred to a, a disciple to share the news because it's meant to be shared through a disciple of Christ who who receives the gift of salvation. I mean, angels are helpers, right? They're they're recruited by God. They're created and recruited by God to help help his plan, help us out along the way. But they're not necessarily the messengers who are able to share the news. Like we are to be the light of the world. You know, they're kind of in a different realm, (laughs) you know? So Hmm. I think if, I think, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I see. I see. So it's not necessarily that God is drawing us to like, these social issues or like broken brokenness in people specifically or like generally, right. It's like one of the things that God draws attention to is that the people he 
brings into our lives or calls us to seek him first, right? Like it's like there is that element by which there are people that are hungry and who are thirsty for the gospel that maybe we are not really aware of because of our insularity and our bubbles and fail to see. And so our, like we, we miss that opportunity for mission and to really engage with the gospel. Yeah, and I think, you know, Paul talks about this in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, that, you know, when you're young, you do what you want to do. You could you could only reason like a child. But when you grow up, you have to put the childish things or childhood things behind you and so that you can actually do um represent love for what it really is, where there's no selectivity. Like love is not selective, right? So mm-hmm. the question of, you know, all we need to focus on is being led by the spirit. Since he's in control, being led by the spirit and just wait for his style or wait for his text kind of thing, right? Mm. And I think that's that could make us insular too, because the truth is there's so much around us that has, there are so many resources around us. And not just that, but there is news every day of what is happening and how it's affecting the world, um, you know, our national world, our personal world, national world, global world. And to separate that from our own walk of faithfulness to Christ, I think it is, a, I would say a little bit premature, right? Because mm-hmm. we have to, why, why do we want to understand what's happening in the world and, you know, how it's affecting mission and how it's affecting others for the mission? Well, because, if we're motivated by love, I think that's what Paul's talking about, that love is complete. And there's a completion of maturity about when you're no longer learning for the sake of yourself or your mm-hmm. or your own game, but you're actually learning, you're studying to for the sake of others. So there is a transition from a child of doing things that are comfortable and things that we only understand to doing things because of this love that transforms us. You know, so we gain knowledge about things and awareness about things that are happening, even though it may not affect us if we don't care about it. I mean, nowadays we just shut everything up and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Right? And the literal bubble of information is they only feed you what you're interested in. Right. Mm-hmm. But because of love for the sake of others to know Christ, because we recognize that there's so many who are being affected um, in their coming to know Christ. And because mission and evangelism is affected and ultimately affects transcendently where, um, where people are headed and how, whether or not they will come to know God or not, the father's heart ever in this lifetime or not, or eternally, because it is so much bigger than us. We do it for the sake of others. Like, you know what I mean? So there has to be a transition, I think, because just living in the spiritual bubble is insularity because mm. there's so much around us that we need to pay attention to and uh, and, un- and understand how it all converges, you know? No, I totally agree. And I find a lot of relevance to what you're saying in my own life because I think you're absolutely right in saying that 
a lot of the information that is fed to us is just ultimately personalized to what we want to see, what we want to hear, and things that already agree with us, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of like traps us in like I guess what I'll, what I'll say is the social media bubble that they talk about a lot in the news and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like this this is like one of the contributing factors that you know prevents us from having a pulse and an ear tuned to what is going on in the world, right? It's because, and I think I'm facing this problem myself because, you know, it's like, it's hard to take for me the things going around me personally when it has no, I guess, direct relevance to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like for that reason, it, it's like I become willfully ignorant of what's going on around me because it has no, direct role in uh, I guess the outcome of my life right Mm -hmm. um and so I wanted to ask you like what does it what does it look like or I know that God you know divinely intervenes on our behalf for us to recognize this but like I guess for us uh, and our part in being able to you know tear out of that bubble it's like I guess how do we cross to the other side where we can begin to you know be in the know or like to care about what is going on around us so that, you know, mission can, so that we can better represent Christ and better engage with mission in that way. Cause I think that's one of the things that I recognized was how I just resided in my own comfort from the previous sermon. Yeah. I think it's actually like embracing the things that God's showing us and not willfully ignoring them again. Mm. I think um, being faithful to the call, I think a lot of times we ignore things if it's inconvenient to us and even if it's revealed to us, you know, and we know that it's divine intervention. I think taking the time and the reflection to actually think through and reflect and pray about, you know, an action plan. I think a few messages ago, maybe it's, okay, maybe not a few, maybe a lot more (laughs) messages ago. Sorry, in the pandemic, it's hard to calculate time sometimes. But we feel like mission has to fit into our own life and our lifestyle. And I think when when things don't fit into our modes and our interests, we feel like something is wrong nowadays. Mm. And I think... That's also the insularity bubble of comfort that we live in or luxury or, you know, or just convenience or, you know, there's too much stress in my life. I don't want to deal with something else. I'm going to keep my head in over here and I'm going to ignore that. I think we do a lot of those things, but if we, if, and you know, the news pulls at us in all sorts of directions as well. But when the spirit is knocking on the door of our hearts, to speak to us about something that is important to him, I think we have to pay attention and have an action plan that says, okay, this is kind of out of my neighborhood or, you know, of my own lifestyle, or this is kind of out of, you know, my given day Mm. of how much energy I might expend during the pandemic or, this is a little bit out of my comfort to reach out and even check in on someone, you know, 
I haven't spoken to this person. And there are these discomforts, I think, when we actually think about it, we could equate it as stressful. But I think God is speaking to those places. It's all, it's usually outside of our bubbles, Mm. outside of our comfort zone, where we feel at home, secure, safe, and comfortable. It feels a little bit uh, hectic, maybe, you know. I think there's a there's a myth about if it is God, it must go smoothly. Yeah, I think if we're stepping out of comfort, it's not going to feel so tranquil. I think Peter is, says in Acts chapter 10 that he was perplexed, confused, and he hadn't finished his processing or journaling. The Spirit spoke to him in the midst of his, you know, confusion. And said, gave him the directions of what to do next and to, and reassured him and told him, don't hesitate when these men approach you at your door. Mm -hmm. So there were directions given to him in his discomfort. Um, so I think if our bubbles can be broken through admitting and embracing the course of actions that God may take, um, that it won't look like the way we plan our day. I think that we can be open to how God is working mm-hmm. around us. And if we begin to pay attention, I think we realize that we're actually part of an epic battle where we are protected and led by a really great general. And um, it's actually supposed, our lives are supposed to be more adventurous than hectic and stressful you know, filled with all these to do things to make our life more conducive to our own liking. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think it will bring us back to the haunting of God's call if we pay attention. So it's supposed to be a little bit hectic. It's supposed to be a little bit confusing, if not very confusing. But what that produces is <laughs> it's it's eternal for the sake of someone else. Mm. And I think that's a chance worth taking to come out a little bit, you know, and I think that's what it takes to break the bubble in us. And, you know, the message is very encouraging because he talks about how God will place people into our lives that it usually when we can't walk across the street, when we can't walk across the room or make that phone call or send that text to reach out. Um, sometimes God will do that for us, you know? Mm. So it's not this one-sided do it by yourself, but, you know, John 15 says that when we abide in him and remain in him, um, what we do will prosper, will, will be fruitful. But apart from him, if we do it apart from Christ, it will not be fruitful. So there's a guarantee of God's presence of you know, the person of Christ, the spirit of God empowering us and walking with us. Mm. Yeah, what you just said is is inspiring to me because it, it, number one, I think reinforces the idea that God is engaging with us and around us all the time. And mm-hmm. God is trying to bring us towards a direction that offers a lot of meaningfulness and offers a lot of, uh, I, I guess for lack of a better term, just like beautiful encounters and experiences and like people really finding redemption or salvation. Um, and the secondly, I think one, one thing you mentioned just really re- reiterates the fact that, you know, as believers, our 
faith is not supposed to cater to us and aggrandize our own lives, mm. but it is for us to be aligned to what God is doing and what the kingdom is doing, like moving forward with the kingdom as opposed to like, I guess, allocating the resources of the kingdom for ourselves in that way. Yeah. I mean, God's very gracious. He strategized what would get through Peter's dickhead. <laughs> strategizes what will get through us. If we're really, I mean, Peter's someone who wanted to spread the gospel. He just mm-hmm. had paradigms that need to be broken because he grew up Jewish, right? He grew up kosher and it was illegal to even talk to people that he cons- that Jewish culture considered unclean. Mm-hmm. So he became a Christian, right? But he's not really thinking, how am I going to help people outside of my culture come to Christ? So God strategized for him so that, you know, I mean, it's so genius. It's genius that God knows that we're not going to get everything in one shot, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know that God had to restore Peter when he betrayed Jesus, you know, on, on the day of the crucifixion, right? Yeah. So he restored him and you would think, oh, Peter was, you know, he experienced Christ. He knows everything. He's going to be great. He's set for life. But no, actually, he comes to this huge density problem Mm. where God has to strategize to help him break paradigms or break bubbles of his own so that the gospel continues. And I think we have to remember that God is so genius to realize we're so not. (laughs) We are dense that he will strategize for us, you know in our heart and direction right. of willingness to live for the gospel, to actually live out and to share it. He will make a way when we when there's no way. Like that's Damo and song. It's not he will make a way when there's no way for the sake of our own life. It's he will make a way if we are willing and we're wanting, God is not gonna keep his wisdom from us. The word makes that very clear that he will give generally generously to all those who ask for wisdom. You know? So I think God is definitely with us and wanting to lead us into the next steps of mission for the world. Yeah, I can I can totally recount plenty of times God had to get it through my crystal <laughs> about a lot of things too. <laughs> I know myself as well. I'm so dense. He has to do multiple things just so I understand that he's speaking to me. <laughs> mm. No, I've, I definitely feel that <laughs> to a very poor level. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God he sees all and is gracious to reveal to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I really loved what you said about, you know, how, you know, living for God and doing mission is like not so much of a burden or like I I know it often can feel like a burden because it seems like there are things that we have to do that are outside of our routines, our comfort, our expectations even um, to do God's work but you know like to your point I think one of the things I was very surprised by and I think one of the things that really gives me a lot of joy and hope is that you know living for God so far has really been adventurous you know beyond my expectations Mm. you know um which is like the really cool thing about mission and I think which is really cool about living for God um and you know, trying to share the gospel with people and living, living to you know try to represent the gospel to the best way that I can. You know, there. I think I think what you're saying is right. Like, it's it's a 
like not only is our like physical environmental bubbles being bursted, but I feel like our spiritual bubbles that see God in one way or like maybe have this preconceived notion about who God is and what he's supposed to do. When that becomes ruptured, it really allows for, you know, I guess, I guess to begin to see, and I say begin to see because, you know, I think I I don't really have enough experience to like say definitively, but like, you know, begin to see the beauty of what God is doing behind the scenes and even actively in our lives and around us, right? Like I could never have expected that my life would look the way it does now. It it is, you know, all glory to God for that, for that reason. Yeah, you know, I love C.S. Lewis' book, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. We're reading that right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just so amazing how he created these creatures as characters, right? Such as the beavers in Narnia. And as sons and daughters of Adam, I mean, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, as these mm-hmm. four siblings, right? They enter into Narnia and they realize that the witch is at work and also that Aslan is at work. They're like so ready to leave everything and to help these kids fulfill this prophecy of Aslan being king, right? Or also kind of leading the beavers lead these kids to the one who can solve all these problems, the one that they look to, which is Aslan, right? So the journey begins of them trying to lead them to Aslan because they say, well, Aslan will know what to do. Yeah, For sure, the witch is the one who is at work and for sure Edmund is with her. And mm-hmm. we know exactly what this means. So we, if you want to, if you want a chance at all of his salvation, we need to go to Aslan. Like that's kind of like the journey of adventure. And it's a treacherous journey, right? And you can see it in the film, you can read it in the books. And it's just so amazing how God, you know, C.S. Lewis created these beavers of readiness to the gospel. Mm-hmm. that they sit down. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, if they sit down, they share a meal and they go, let me tell you about Aslan. And then the kids are like, who is Aslan? They start learning about him and they realize that they, you know, this comfy, I mean, I mean, this life that they live, that there's more to this life than the life that they lived on the other side of the wardrobe. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just so powerful. And it, I think it's such a great picture of what we are meant to be. You know, people joke, and say, oh, you know, Doc and Pilate, you guys are beavers. And I am so honored to hear that, you know, because people are saying you shared Aslan with us, right? But I feel like more and more that there are supposed to be more beavers, right? <laughs> You're a beaver. We're all supposed to be beavers sharing the gospel to the next generation and to people who are hungry to know the answers of this life. That only really comes in resolution through Christ, through the Father, through Aslan himself. So I think the this you could call the beavers as disciples, then we're all meant to be disciples. We're all meant to be like the beavers, Mr. Mm-hmm. and Mrs. Beaver, um, and share who Aslan is because the witch is real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a call. It's such a beautiful call, but yeah, such a call to be like the beavers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, if you do the mission, you're not going to enjoy life. No, they enjoy life plenty. They pack food. 
<laughs> you know, they're silly. They love each other on the journey. Yeah. Mr. Beaver and Mrs. Beaver are so in love. You know, they have a great life together. Yeah. But when the mission calls, they leave their home of comfort, of their dam, right? Mm-hmm. They live in dams and build dams. And they they go. They go. They say yes and they go. They know exactly what to do because they know that this life of comfort is for the sake of something bigger. And I think that's the call of the gospel to all of us to become like the beavers, mm. <laughs> to enjoy your life, but let's do it for the sake of others. Let's go. Let's mm. say yes to the mission, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I love it. <laughs> I have a deep appreciation for beavers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that. I, I really think that really speaks to the heart of a lot of people that have found Christ and want to live for him for that very reason, you know, and, you know, for me, I think being a Christian and, you know, agreeing and subscribing to that idea also, you know, like what the picture you painted is just such a compelling picture that, you know, it motivates me and it makes me want to live for the gospel and to, you know, fight the good fight and, you know, advance the kingdom in the ways that God is calling me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I think one of the questions that might, you know, be in the back burner as well is like, how, how can we be compelled to move out of our bubble? You know, I think Dr. Sammy was describing in his first point, you know, like to move from an abstraction to, you know, active mission is to like have, I guess, recognize a tangibility to what God is calling us to or the direction that God is moving, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my question then is, like, how 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 can we be compelled as believers that are residing in our comfort zones to engage in mission? Like, how can we also recognize that this adventure, um, this, this call that God is, you know, beckoning us towards is is something that we truly want. Cause I think that is something that moves us and, you know, calls to us, but you know, is, is that something that's hard to recognize or is it us again being like willfully ignorant towards that? Um, yeah. I think a practical answer to that would be make a list of the names again. You mm-hmm. know, it's the beginning of the year. It's a great time to refresh that list again of the names that God reminded us of people on our hearts, um, the names and the faces that come to us now and making that list. And I think God will make very clear to us over time um, as we keep that list close to our hearts, um, what the action plan is. And he will intervene in times to set first step to the action plan sometimes and tell us to do the second part, you know? So I think acknowledging it is so important because usually, you know, Billy, Billy Graham, evangelist of old has said this, he's, you know, gone and he's with the Lord now, but he said that many times people stop praying for that list of people who have yet to find Christ Mm -hmm. because they just don't think about them anymore when actually, and then people go, well, I'm not convicted anymore. So I'm not going to think about them anymore, but they haven't come to Christ yet. And I think that a lot of times we give up too easily. And, you know, it's not a black and white answer. Just because a person comes, um, you know, to mind, does it mean that you have to get out your front door and knock on their door? I don't think so. I think that we have to trust God for 
the things that he has in store. And the action plan will be, I think it's interwoven together with our yes to God. And so the very practical thing that I, I think, you know, it helped me. I literally just sat down and made a list again. Mm-hmm. And since I made that list, that list has been very helpful, but also it's been kind of changing also with insight into how God has been working. It's helped me to pay attention to what God has been doing, mm-hmm. what he wants to do and what he continues to do. Cause I think a lot of times we give up so quickly and easily that we forget that God is still at work. And so he will give us a game plan. He will lead us. So I would say make a list. Hmm. I have a list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and it, I think it's like maybe I should look at it more <laughs> is what I'm thinking. Because uh, I guess one of the things that maybe I failed to recognize or didn't really see is, you know, thinking more deeply about the people that God is placing on my heart and, you know, trying to discern and be more in tune with how God is leading me to them. Cause you know, I think one of the things that maybe I, I just do instead of really trying to glean wisdom of what God, what God is doing, you know, like it's like, these are people that I'm praying for and are on my heart. I do mission, right. It's just like, just like a leap over to the active part. Um, and so I guess I, I wanted to ask you, you know, like how could, could you describe a little bit about, you know, how God speaks to you about certain people and like specific names as well? Cause I think one of the things that I'm privy to and prone to doing is, you know, just like there's a person and it's, and it's my role to share the gospel, just like, Mm-hmm. to be in that way so I, I just want to glean some insight and wisdom on how you pray for and how you think about what god is doing in other people's lives yeah so just to be clear the list we're talking about right now is the list of people who are hungering for god mm-hmm. and have not yet come to know jesus christ so that's that list right mm-hmm. and with that list i would just Um, I think a good way is just to kind of keep them in prayer and say, God, can you open opportunities um, for me to be able to reach in, reach out? Mm. And in in the meantime, I'm just going to be their friend. You know, I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to look for opportunities when we're spending time to share about who you are. So I think having uh, initiative, you know, in mind that mm. I am going to, I will. My goal is to share the gospel with this person. My goal is to invite this person to hear the gospel. So when the goal is missional, I believe like 100% the opportunities will come. Mm. And, you know, to answer the question, sometimes we act and we don't really have a plan. And I think sometimes let's say we bump into them, you know, I mean, that's kind of hard to do now, but (laughs) let's say, you know, somehow they pop up, you know, in your, I don't know, in your vicinity somehow, you know, in whatever form. Mm -hmm. And you are kind of thinking about them. Well, 
why not start with a prayer? I think a lot of times we're so concerned about getting it right that yeah. we actually start. But starting with prayer and giving God that process or that person, once again, is never a bad start. Because mm-hmm. you're literally asking God, God, I'm asking that you would initiate this once again today as you initiated this yesterday. And I'm asking that you would lead me because I want to be led by your heart and your wisdom. And that that's never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And come and I guess coming through with or following through with the opportunities that do come. Mm. Yeah. I mean, some of those people might move away. You know, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times this list is so comprehensive that they're always going to be there in front of us. Nothing is going to happen, and you know, everything will have to be executed a certain way. So I'm kind of you know stuck, but. God calls us to be faithful. He doesn't call us to, you know, make everything happen the way that it should be. Right. He calls us to be faithful each day. So I think having a list of people and adding to that list and understanding that list and nuance of how God is leading us through the process is better than not having one. And I, that's kind of the spiritual exercise of what are the names? What are the people? Mm. Because if we're not thinking about names and people, we're less likely to do mission. If it's not something we are paying attention to, you mm. know? so it's bringing it to the forefront. Right. Because like if we don't think intentionally about what God is doing in our midst, it's, it's sort of like mission becomes a passive thing in our lives as opposed to something that we're actively thinking about and praying about and you know actually doing. Yeah, except the contradiction or the with passive mission is there's no such thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. We could be passive about something, but if we passively love our children, our children will not know that they're loved. Mm. So certain certain things as mission is either you are on mission or you're not. Mm. And I think that's something to clarify. Jesus said that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you do and and obey my commands. Right. So there is an action that defines, I guess, the indicative of that abstract noun of mission in action, right? But mm-hmm. if it's not in action, it's you can't even really call it passive. Right. You could call yourself, myself, a passive Christian for not being in action but we're not in mission if mission is passive but i I mean i totally know i'm just kind of i guess picking on the etymology or i don't know the details around it but you have to be on mission to be following christ Mm. yeah no i totally agree with that distinction because you know i can't even really imagine what a passive love (laughs) is really like you know because i mean how can how can you love someone without the act or service of love? Yeah, that's true. And that's the whole thing about fatherlessness. Why it was important to God's heart is that so many kids um, grow up as adults um, not knowing that they're loved, right? Yeah. Whether they had dads or moms, like they don't know. 
because it was not expressed to them in an active way. It mm-hmm. wasn't demonstrated for them. So, but I think in many ways we become, when Christians are not missional, we become like parents who don't express love to their children. It's like, um, uh, I don't know, significant other never expressing love, but assuming that this is going to be a great relationship. You know, love has to be expressed in the same way mission has to be expressed. Discipleship is expressed through obedience in God's mission and living for the sake of others for that mission. And I think to clarify that is really important. Mm. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there. Um, But I think this point of our conversation does lead me to something I I guess I was wondering that Dr. Sammy briefly touched on was he mentioned that, you know, for us to break out of our dense bubbles and for mission to become personal for us, there, there has to be a bridging of the gap via intimacy. He mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though it was like a brief thing that he said, I, it it registered in my head because I think I was thinking about like what, what does mission mean? Or like, what, like, I guess, what does the action of mission look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it, 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 I think I agree with what Dr. Sam was saying is it, it is through intimacy, just kind of like how the intimacy of Christ or the intimacy of our friendships is what really brings people to know who Christ is through us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I kind of wanted to ask you on that to expound on it a little bit, because I wonder how intimacy, uh, I guess, fits in with the names of the people that we might be reaching out to or that God is calling us to um, pray um, and engage in relationship with. Like, I guess, what role does intimacy play? Do you think? So when I heard him say intimacy, what I understood it as was um, abstraction versus intimacy or abstract versus um, something that's personal or tangible mm. as proximity. Mm. meaning i guess in this context that a lot of times or if our faith is abstract and we're living in our bubbles of insularity we will not actually even get close to someone who is different from us who may be looking for god so Mm. it's about bridging that gap by popping that bubble and seeing the hunger of people for god around us and the bridges would be like people that are so different from us. Like, you know what? I think sometimes we look really far, but I'll give an example of some, something really close. And I, um, so you know how Jesus always tells the people, he told the people that were gathered um, specifically to become like a child for you can't inherit the kingdom of God unless you're like a child. Yeah. I was just thinking about that because he's literally asking adults to think backwards to when they were a child. Like I would never tell a child to think like an adult. So you get this around your head. He won't say that because a child has never experienced adulthood, but adults have. So it takes almost like undoing of all the things that has formed us into the type of adult that craves security or, you know, uh, the things of the world, like to almost like a purest form of a child. Right. Mm. And I think in the same way, 
there has to be an unraveling of our the way that we think about life and how life is supposed to be and the end goal of life so that it helps us to see the people in need around us which brings intimacy because of proximity do you know what i mean yeah and so i think god pops our bubbles that way too and we realize that there are people in I mean, intimacy is like a word for closeness, right? But mm-hmm. it only starts when there's proximity, right? I only got to know Sam and fell in love with him because I spent time with him, right? Um, got to know him. And so there's a proximity. Like I get to love my kids better because, well, I spend time with them. And the more I spend time with my children, the more I love them. If I love them from afar and kind of slipped in meals under their door and worksheets to better their math. I don't think that they would grow up knowing that I love them or that Mm -hmm. they're a loving parent. So I think there's almost like a reversal of the way we look at life and seeing that there are people with hungry hearts that need to know God's love, that want to know it. Just like the centurion, it was very evident that he wanted to know God's love. Yeah. Hungry for it. So instead of God sending an angel and a message, he brings proximity. He sends Peter to his house, right? Mm. Um, and he bridges that gap. He closes that gap, rather. And he tells him about Christ. Mm. And at first, the centurion's like, oh, you know, I worship you. And he's like, no, 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 not me. I'm just a messenger. So there's like a clarifying of this love of who God is as that, that bridge is closed or the gap is closed. So I think, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, cause it's like, I think I really like the, the feeding your children analogy. Uh-huh. Like you can't, you can't fling food at them and like expect them to eat it. Right. It's like, yeah. you, you kind of have to be next to them and sort of share your time and share your energy to feed the child. No, it's true. Yeah. You know, Josh, one of the things Josh loves the most about remote learning, right, is that he says, I love the cafeteria lady because she makes good food and is nice. <laughs> <laughs> he he dreads like he eats in the cafeteria, but I guess he always dreaded feeling like one of you know, hundreds of kids that are there just trying to get a meal. Mm. The atmosphere is very different from an intimate atmosphere of home where you're paid attention to, you know? Mm. So I think in the same way, a little bit of intentionality goes a long way if we have a plan. And I think that's what the action plan looks like. It's being ready, like the beavers, being ready to provide whatever is necessary for them to be able to hear about Aslan about God, but yeah. Lord specifically, I think he shared a. They made a. Oh, what is that? <laughs> what is the orange? The orange. Uh, oh, Paddington loves it. The British people love it. The orange jam. Oh, marmalade. Yes, marmalade pastry. Mm. She packed it <laughs> for their journey for the kids. Mm. 
She almost packed her sewing sewing kit, but she says she couldn't bear to think that the witch might take it away from her, and so she left it at home. <laughs> okay, this is funny, but I mean, I I think you know it's it's kind of like shows you real life, real things that we think about. That sounds so silly, but the truth is. Even if you're a beaver on mission, you think about silly things. You eat delicious things and you share with the people. And then comes the opportunity to share the good news, you know? Mm. So I guess it goes back to what you're saying about intimacy, about sharing life with people is how, you know, is one of the ways that God, you know, helps open the door for someone to hear the gospel and come to know Christ, to be Mm. able to respond to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think this conversation that we're having is is very refreshing for me. Um, you know, because I think when I think about mission on my own, it's it sort of just feels like, you know, there's a task and I have to figure out what the task is mm-hmm. at hand sometimes. But then, you know, this conversation is really reminding me that the enjoyment of sharing life with people and sharing the gospel with people, you know, I guess like I thought about that more as like a byproduct of doing mission. Mm-hmm. But in fact, what I think I'm getting is that that is mission to a degree, a degree, to a degree. Um, and I think, I think I'm, I, I don't mean to say that just spending time with people is mission, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that I think like God foresaw that there is the joy that is involved with, you know, intimacy and knowing people and spending your time you know talking about things that are of utmost importance um like the gospel uh because the gospel you know it's it starts as like something that someone has offered me Mm -hmm. and it became of utmost importance to me and you know like to share that with people and all the things that come along with sharing the gospel with others. I feel like this conversation reminded me of the joy that is involved in it, you know, cause I think sometimes through like, I mean, maybe it's just me, but like through like doing things, you kind of miss out or like you, you, I guess fail to see sometimes like what, what God is orchestrating behind the scenes of just the act in and of itself. Yeah. You know, when I started baking more, I started doing this thing where I compartmentalize in fractions. Like I partition, like let's say if I bake uh, crumb cake, coffee cake. Oh, I love coffee cake. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I partition it so that it's in three parts. One part for a family, right? And then I'll put away the other parts and pack it and then and then I'll just literally think about who I want to send it to that it might encourage, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a list for that, I guess you could say, right? And but I think it goes back to the stand mixer, right? I didn't want to buy it, but I bought it because someone reminded me that whatever is produced from that apparatus you called so, yeah. is 
not just meant for me, but it's food is good. Good food is meant to be shared with others. It's just like joy. You share joy with others, right? Mm-hmm. It propels relationship, closeness. It says, I care about you. I'm thinking of you. I love you. Ultimately, it shares that God sees you. God loves you, you know? Yeah. And in the same way, why do we tithe? Like, why do we put away 10%, you know, at the least of our finances to give for the kingdom of God. Why do we do that? Why do we partition that much for God? Well, because we know that our life is not just for this life. It's one to say, God, you're my provider. You provide all of this. Everything I have comes from you, but really because it goes to the mission of God, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it's like cutting that crumb cake. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever is ours, it's meant for the sake of being a blessing for the sake of being blessed for the sake of being a blessing. Mm. So I think it goes the same way with our lives and our time. We partition our time and our love and the extension of our energy so that it's not used for me and myself, but for the sake of others knowing Aslan, for the sake of others knowing God. Mm. You know, another great imagery that I saw recently was, Hobbit, the Hobbit who loves his comfort. I think Bilbo Baggins, he loves the comfort of his own tea, his rocking chair, you know, his beautiful home at, you know, in his neighborhood. But he gets interrupted. And the title is Unexpected Journey, right? Yeah. For this journey that changes him, you know, and why? He didn't want to, but God literally, little, um, what is it, Gandalf, literally invites him without telling him into a journey for a greater cause than him. And he hated it every step of the way. But he comes back with friends and with a greater purpose that he knew that his life was more than just this life in, what's it called, Shire? Shire? A Shire. A Shire, yeah. That it's life is more than just tea and that, you know, that's, I don't know, milk and tea and the sweetness of scones, that life is bigger than his comfort. Mm. So I think it's such a great picture that Tolkien paints and C.S. Lewis paints, but it's our life is meant to be the same. It's supposed to be partitioned because it belongs to, it belongs to God. Yeah. We're blessed to be a blessing. Mm. So actually in the end, if we're not doing mission, if we're not hanging off the very alignment of the heart of God, which is mission to share his love with others, the hoarding of the blessing and the hoarding of that life that God's given us. And that only comes to Christ. We're actually missing out. Mm. Something so much greater. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend watching these movies. It really helps to mm. see transcendently in a in a you know everyday life where you feel like you're kind of stuck to the obligations of every day mm. and we're called for greater for the sake of others yeah it's funny you mentioned the hobbit because i was supposed to watch that this week but oh yeah <laughs> you did it <laughs> no i didn't uh some interrupted plans but i'll get to it for sure okay yeah such a great reminder mm. yeah I was going to say the same. I think it's a a beautiful reminder because, you know, I think, I think the gospel is intrinsically compelling. Um, If it weren't, you know, I, I, I guess there would not be 
a gospel, really, right? Because it's because it's such a beautiful message. It's because the story of Christ has convicted us so strongly that, you know, a lot of people can share in the joy of what God is doing um, to this day. And, you know, I, I think one of the a few final thoughts that I wanted to ask you or, you know, that I had for you was just, you know, how, for you, how how could how can you continue to be so compelled by mission and to continue to seek after it every day or like with your life? Cause I think one of the things as believers is that, you know, of course we're prone to forget mm-hmm. uh, personally. And I think also, I think we're so subject to change in terms of our perspective. So malleable that sometimes we forget these beautiful components about what it means to live your life for Christ first and foremost, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on like what compels you to continue to live for the gospel and, um, you know, what we can also draw from a life that is gospel driven, because I think one of the things that you and Dr. Sammy mentioned also is that there, there is something that we can miss out when we don't, when we decide to disengage from the kingdom work. And, you know, I think Dr. Sammy put it bluntly. It's like, maybe it's not, the others that are unfortunate that God, you know, is encountering us with, but to have an encounter with the fact that even we might be in a position of misfortune or unfortunate, you know, I guess circumstances because our bubbles are not being burst. Right. So. Well, I go, I'm kind of drawn back to what you said about if the gospel is not compelling, well then the gospel I think you said something about the gospel not being, it must not be the gospel or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think I live by the fact that the gospel is compelling. And so to me, if the gospel is not compelling today, I don't question the gospel. I question what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. And because I know that God is good. I know that what he has offered through Christ is good. I know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his heart is for people to come to know him in relationship, right, through Christ. And so when I'm not compelled by that, I know that I'm compelled by something else or that there are bubbles that are just, I guess, suffocating the life of the gospel that I'm meant to live. So I assess that. And I think messages like these, right, are so helpful because it addresses that, that it's as a common thing. I think to assume that we will always be okay and feel great every single day um, is, it's just not true, right? Right. We, we have ups and downs and we go through things and we get preoccupied some, sometimes for things that are great, sometimes for things that are, you know, painful and we get preoccupied by life. But Messages like this, living by the word and learning through it and actually using it as a mirror to help us see how we're doing, I think helps us, you know, and second thing I would say is this, and it connects to what I was saying. It sounds so cliche. And I think Sam said this, that sometimes, you know, live the mission could sound, that statement itself could sound plastic and cliche, right? 
when actually it is the most compelling thing that we can do in this lifetime, the greatest mm-hmm. calling, or if not the only calling and everything else submits to that. Um, for me, I think the cliche thing that I always thought about, like didn't want to say it like this, did not want to buy any journal that said this. Yeah. It was so corny, but I think it's so true. I think I count my blessings. Mm. And I think when I forget that I am blessed and I forget my positionality, of forget everything I have and everyone I have in my life. But the fact that I have been seen and rescued by Christ to know him in relationship and to have this connection through the blood of Christ to be his family. I think that blessing alone, forget everything and everyone I have in my life. That blessing alone makes me blessed. And if I don't count my blessings, well, then there's a problem there. And it's not an error in the gospel, but it's an error in me. And I think that's why scripture is so great to assess our souls and how we're doing, because we're meant to live lives that are compelled by the gospel. And those of you who follow Christ, you know that, you've tasted that. Well, that is supposed to be for every single day. Through new mercies every day, we're meant to be compelled by the gospel. So. I think there is an assessment through the word, um, how I'm doing. And I think that is kind of what we are as a church, to help one another, to spur one another for the mission of God, to live and not just be this pretty, you know, apparatus of white, yellow, what color do you want? Pick the color. But it's to so that it's being used for others, you know. I said I, I like made a joke. This is silly and corny, but on since we're on corny and cliche, um, tools are great. I wrote in my Instagram. I think tools are so helpful, but don't be a tool. But I think kind of the conflict where you find yourselves in all the time, where you know we're like, "Yay, I'm so helpful. I feel so great. I have purpose in my life." And then next moment, we're like a tool, mm. like so dense, right. you know. And, but God is good. Again, he's with us. He's wanting to lead us, wake us up, you know? So. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Pastor. I think, I think you're absolutely right. If the gospel has stopped being compelling, you know, it's, it's a matter of, I guess us assessing where we're at and where we find ourselves in relation to mission Right, like points. I, I guess, like you could say that it point. It's a symptom that points to a deeper issue that might be going on with us in regards to the gospel at at that point, right? Yeah, I wouldn't point pinpoint or point fingers at the gospel. Mm. I could definitely agree with that. Um, well, I am out of the burning questions I have at the moment, but I did want to ask you if you had anything else you wanted to share with us for this week. Um, I think just lastly, just a reflection about becoming a child means literally going backwards and being slowing down or even, you know, lowering yourself to a child's height to understand something that we can't understand in our bubble, I think. And I think 
you know, as Jesus says that that is the way to inherit the kingdom of God, I think in reflection, just asking God, just humble yourself before the side of the Lord and he will lift you up. Asking God, God, can you please reveal these, you know, divinely intervene in my life, reveal these bubbles in me where I'm too high to see it or I'm too all over the place to see it or I'm too insular to see it. And um, really stepping down and reflecting and asking God to show up. And he will. He will show up. And to know that when, even when you're on the path of following him and on the path of getting things, I guess, aligned to Christ's mission, as you're discouraged and see advantages to what, disadvantages to what you're doing and the action plans of mission, don't be discouraged You know, when you're living for Christ, as C.S. Lewis talks about, the witch came into the picture before Aslan did. She's always scheming and she has a plan to discourage people from really, you know, I don't know, like esteeming Aslan as king because she wants, she calls herself the queen. She wants the glory. So just know that warfare may come, but. You do not have to be afraid. God will be on your side and keep going. Resist the enemy and keep going. And I would just want to encourage people as people take that path because sometimes it's hard. The resistance is real. So, you know, in the authority of Jesus, rebuke the enemy and in resilience, grow in strength in hope and faith and press on. And as Joe, you know, quoted, fight the good fight. Sometimes it's a fight. You know, it's not smooth always. So fight it, fight it. It will be worth it. And when you forget, look in hindsight, it will be worth it. The life that we, you and I get to live for Christ. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like my reflection that I want to share. Mm-hmm. Oh, amen to that. Uh, no, thank you so much for this conversation this week as well, Pastor Lydia. Um, I'm encouraged and, you know, I, you know, I, I want the compelling ethos of what the gospel is in my life to be realized too. You know, I think, you know, from you sharing just your life experiences and what you've encountered with your walk with God, it just helps us to continue to see what is in store for us and what God is really doing around us. And so thank you again, Pastor Lydia, for your insights and your wisdom. Thank you, Joe, for your burning questions. (laughs) (laughs) I have plenty of those moving forward. (laughs) Um, and if you were blessed and are encouraged by this podcast, we ask please that you would like, subscribe, and even rate our podcast um, and share it with your friends so that other people can know the good news as well. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye now.
Will you bow your heads for the benediction and welcome the spirit, the living spirit, to tear open our bubbles so that we can become the light and the healing the world needs in Christ. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Love you guys. Miss you. See you soon. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG, as well as on Tumblr at 180BRG. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you. And to be blessed by him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.